I V M. Everyone, welcome to Shunya One, episode one ninety four. We are almost uh, getting close to the two hundred mark uh, very, very soon. And this episode, like all the others so far, is yet another very, very interesting conversation. Uh, I'm in conversation with Subramanya SV, who's the CEO and co-founder of Fizdom. Now, Fizdom is actually one of those apps and uh, platforms which have been around for quite a while. They've been uh, very unique in be- seeing the. Transformation journey of the fintech world, or uh, and specifically the investment world, right? The wealth tech world, or whichever uh, buzzword you choose uh, to identify with. They've seen this from very early on, and they've seen this to where it is today. I had a really interesting conversation, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Subu, as his friends call him, is a great, I would say, speaker on all things fintech uh, over the years, given his unique position, and we got into a lot of that. So let's take a quick break and come back and. Jump into the conversation. Hi, Subhu. Welcome to Shunya One. Finally, it's great to have you here uh, after you being a listener of the show already, right? No, absolutely. Thanks, Shilatya, for having me on the podcast. I was, I'm a very avid listener of podcasts uh, in general. I spend a few hours a week listening to podcasts during commute, office commute, outstation travel commute, and all the podcasts. Uh, and I listen to several IBM podcasts, and spe- specifically yours. I've listened to a bunch of episodes. So thanks for having me. I look forward to the conversation. No, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being here, giving us the time. Thank you for being a listener, of course. And, uh, you know, it just makes this conversation uh, that we're going to have a lot more easier, I guess, because if you know what the show is about, I think, uh, you know, it just sort of makes the conversation easier in terms of what we talk about, you know, what our listeners expect, uh, being one yourself. And, uh, you know, it's great to have you here after, let's say, also me uh, personally, on a personal note, you know, knowing about FISDOM, what you guys have built, uh, over the years, uh, the fact that we've worked together in some sense uh, in our in my previous uh, avatar at Zavatap, I think uh, it'll be great to sort of hear in your words a little bit of the origin story as to why you chose to build a wealth tech product. What was the inspiration? What was the state of the art at the time when you looked at the landscape? Can you set context for everyone listening in who doesn't know what let's say Fizdom is today uh, about the journey you had so far? Absolutely, that's a great starting point, Shalitha. Although. What wisdom is today is obviously like significantly different from what we started out with. Of course. Uh, it's great to talk, to talk about the early days. So, uh, you know, my background, uh, Shalatya, is um, I used to be a venture capital investor. So I'm uh, one of those uh, breeds who spend most, in fact, most of my time has been spent in investing. So nine years out of my career was in investing uh, initially as public markets and private markets and then venture capital. And uh, 2015 is when I decided to turn an entrepreneur. And the reason for that, the inspiration for that at that point of time was one, you know, working with some amazing founders. I had the fortune of working with some amazing founders who were building e-commerce companies, transportation companies, food delivery companies, classifieds. It was just inspirational to work with some of those guys. And they, they truly inspired me to sort of think about this. Right. Uh, otherwise, I come from a fairly conservative family where no one <laughs> in, a, in distant relatives is a businessman, right? And I think to, by 2015, it was also very, very clear that, um, you know, in general, capital availability is going to be here. Uh, risk appetite for various things is higher. There are various types of capital available, market opportunities available. And I had personally had seen the kind of disruption that was happening in various industries thanks to uh, internet. And people that there was newer mm-hmm. industries going to be created. 
And the one that I understood and the one that the closest to my heart was financial services. And usually financial services tend to be laggards in adopting technology or internet, right? And healthcare, those mm-hmm. are the two which mm-hmm. always come to the end. So I said, look, that's right. why I understand financial services company. So there's a bit of a top-down, there's a bit of bottom-up uh, thinking. You know, as a VC, I was a bit trained in what top-down thinking as well. Of so course. that was a top-down yeah. piece, right? So, you know, in 2015, the feeling was, look, if this is not the time to build something that's that endures over a long period, there's no better time, right? I was also much younger as well, right? So in 2015, right. I quit. In 2016, we started Prism. And at that point of time, the, the macro vision or the big deal was, hey, listen, look, let's build a digital financial services company, you know, which will be a digital equivalent of a Bajaj FinServe or an HDFC bank. But obviously, you have to make a start mm-hmm. somewhere. Where we, you know, we, you know, it's a long journey. The other realization I had from a VC world was, it takes time to build these companies. It takes 15 years to build these financial services companies, right? It takes time. It, it right, takes a lot of right. Uh, it take, you need to be trustworthy and that takes time. So where do we start? Like, I think that's where we decided to start with investments, you know, as a path to start. And if you look at from a consumer's perspective, right, what do consumers expect mm-hmm. from a financial service? There are basically four or five things. Uh, there is mm-hmm. payments, investments, insurance, and credit. These are the four broad pools of services. And then you add a banking to it where I keep your deposit, right? Sure. We said, you know, look, let's start with investments because that was the most... We felt at least that's where the market opportunity or the user pain point is. And when we when we try to understand users, like you know, it was pretty obvious that massive market, but customers fundamentally mm-hmm. suffer from three problems, three challenges: lack of knowledge, lack of access, lack of trust. You know, you know, people have mm-hmm. surplus money, whether it is hundred rupees or a million rupees or a crore is kind of less relevant. Across the spectrum of hundred rupees to a crore, the problem from the user's perspective is like the same. Lack of knowledge, lack of access, lack of trust. You know, as it says, look, I don't know how to become an investor. I don't know where to invest. I don't know whom to go through. And mind you, mm-hmm. this is 2015, 2016, before demonetization and before mutual funds are here, before COVID-induced boost Correct. capital market, before fallen interest rates, blah, 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 right? So this is way before. Correct. All the various transformations we've seen as Correct, right? as, so, as as public uh, versions of this as well, right? This is These are very public things you mentioned where it put financial services in the forefront. So Correct. yeah, I think your biggest job was just the fact that, uh, you know, uh, this is possible. Yeah, uh, it's and also awareness. Awareness. There was no awareness about these products, right? Today, you know, there's so much of awareness that is being done with the regulators themselves, right? So, Correct. you know, if you want to become an investor, I'm not even kidding, 2016 feels like dinosaur era. In 2016, if you had to become an investor, you have to fill a physical KYC form, give it to somebody, wait for three days, and then start wow. investing. Okay, This was 2016. Uh, if you want to invest in mutual funds or stocks or any product, the only way to invest mm-hmm. is you add a payee in your bank account. You know That has a 24-hour yeah. waiting period. And then you transfer money and then send a UTR code to the whatever the company and then they do the mapping and then you're ready to invest, right? And, yes. and, and you know, the, the other realization we had was you would appreciate financial services have always been sold by throwing jargons to the customer, right? It's about more confusing yep. the customer than, you know, convincing the customer. Yeah. So our, our, a lot of our index names and fund names and product names are very complicated names. They don't exactly tell what an underlying product is. Yeah, they're technical so, names basically, right? So we said, we said, okay, let's build a product that solves just these three problems to begin with. Right? Lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. lack of access, 
and lack of trust. That's the, the side of that's the you know in on the positive side we said simple our three pillars were simplicity, accessibility, and trust. And we said so the first initial focus was just to onboard customers seamlessly. How do you do KYC completely? So uh, we were the first um, app at that point in 2016 to launch a product that did digital KYC without Aadhaar. By just by oh, wow. just by taking pictures of your PAN card and address proof, we had OCR where you would read the documents. You didn't have to enter anything. You could just take a selfie of yours. You didn't have to take a passport photo and stick it onto your form. So we just completely digitized yeah. this. Yeah. Um, this was 2016, and uh, and that became an industry standard. So much so that eventually SEBI also approved it with a e-sign on top of it. <clears throat> That was okay. one thing that we did where access problem got solved to some extent. Of course, then Aadhaar came and it took to a different level. This was again pre-Aadhaar days. Correct. Uh, yeah. we, we were also in 2016, we said, look, payments is a problem. Payments is a perennial problem. You know, like you... Of uh, it, it was a different all, problem back then. It was yeah. a whole different problem still. Yeah, now. so we, we, we were one of the first guys, probably we were the first guys to work with Build Desk at that point of time. And build a payment gateway investment where if you want to invest 5,000 rupees, you can just use a payment gateway to transfer money and then you could just investment put code, just go through. And imagine in 2016, right. this was not available. <laughs> you had to transfer 5,000 rupees from a registered bank account and wait for approval and then invest. So we did yeah. some of that. So we yeah. solved a lot of lack of access. We also, you know, uh, people were scared of jargons. So we said, look, no jargons in that. It's just no jargons. Mm-hmm. Like not a single jargon, you know, that's what, that's the uh, commitment we made to ourselves. So we said, look, we dump it onto solutions. You want to invest 5,000 rupees, you want to go on a vacation, you want to plan for retirement. Those kind of use cases where people don't think of these as financial products, but more as solutions. Uh, and that was the way we tried to solve the complexity. Trust is where the hardest part was, right? Uh, because trust was all in our control. Mm-hmm. Trust is a two-way street. The customers need to trust and we need to make those promises. There, the challenge was, are you still uh, is we are in the business mm. of taking money from customers, <laughs> right? right? Unlike credit yeah. businesses, or and what we sell, what we offer is not an instant product, but hope of a better future. Correct. <laughs> right? Correct. So there, I think we look. You know, the only way to build a trust is us for us to be a really, really strong brand. <laughs> so there, we decided to take a partnership-led approach instead of uh, us trying to you know, spend lots of marketing dollars and spending money. We said, let's partner with incumbent institutions like banks and financial institutions. And we partnered with them. So today I'm glad to tell you that, you know, we partnered with 15 banks where we are their uh, wealth management partner, where they offer wisdom to their end customers. So it's a branded product, branded partnership, no white labeling. So we are a consumer product, 100% consumer product we are building for the consumer. But we don't reach customers through Google, Facebook, television, advertising, but we reach through partnerships. So we are okay. embedded. Oh. We are present on 15 banks, um, you know, with cumulative customer base of nearly uh, 40 crores. That's the origin. That's where we started with mutual funds. And over a period of time, now we've added stocks, pension funds, tax filing. We've added HNI segment. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, more. And so. so let me sort of pause there. Shall I tell you? I said this. I can yeah. No, this is great. I mean, the fact, thanks for telling the early stories. I don't think a lot of people and definitely a lot of listeners, especially if they're new to, let's say, the startup ecosystem post pandemic, uh, I don't think they even uh, would remember uh, a lot of the complications that you would have as a retail investor or as a, you know, uh, it's just daily life of investing uh, back yeah. then, 10 years ago. Because, and this is again, uh, maybe testament to the demographic you deal with as well as whether it's through the banks or otherwise, I think 
there have been there's been a flux of new investors who realize that investing is easy now thank no thanks to folks like yourself uh, and that's why they are even doing it i don't think a lot of people were even considering it given the complications you mentioned early on in 2016 prior to that getting into a little bit more detail as to you know the pieces that you saw when you said that you were probably one of the early few to let's say do digital kyc process you were also there must have been a lot of plumbing you had to sort of put together uh, just to enable this to happen right was how much of it was regulatory plumbing that you had to deal with and how much of it was just simple product i mean uh, i'm trying to understand the timeline of what changed uh, what yeah. allowed you to sort of uh, you know take these the, yeah. change the product user experience of the product Well, that's a great question. I think the there was a regulatory plumbing required, and there was also regulatory education required, right? Uh, the problem was the sources of information were multiple, which are all regulated, and they don't talk to each other. Like, for example, CVL, uh, the exchanges, then payment gateways, then there are something called KRAs. There are multiple people who yeah. get come together to provide the service, and guess what? They don't talk to each other. So it was our job to talk to each of them independently, establish APIs. In fact, in many situations, we were one of the first few guys to use BSC Star MF platform. Our tech team helped them devise APIs so that they can go and give it to everybody else. So we had to we had to work with wow. uh, you know Bill Desk to figure out hey listen how do you transfer money or what kind of data do you get because when when customers invest. Unlike a typical payment gateway, the merchant gets the money. In this situation, the merchant doesn't get the money. Money goes to the exchange, and so nice. like I am the merchant, but money goes to somebody else. And this infra, this is did not exist with some of these vendors, right? So we had to get a lot of specific infrastructure built by you know exchanges, KRAs, and DP participants, uh, and many of these guys, and then consolidate. So basically, we had to simplify for the customer, simplify for mm-hmm. the ecosystem and take all the complexity on us so as a result some of our tech stack became like really really complex and our ability to deliver customer experience was a function of how well the external plumbing is uh, working of course thankfully over the last 6 years a lot of the plumbing has become simplified for example we spoke about kyc now it's all aadhar you know aadhar has simplified right. the kyc so much payments are still a problem because of the you know the problem that i as a merchant Use the payment gateway, but money goes elsewhere, and the right. reconciliation, okay. three-way reconciliation, can be problematic. But this was regulatory education that was required. So we had to go and sell this to all these people. Say, look, this, this is how this is a new way to do it. Some people Correct. were very, very positive, like you know, exchanges were, yeah, look, this is great. AMC's were very supportive uh, because it, it's for them because you were selling their products. Yeah, also new channels. Yeah, this right, more distribution. Them, right? yeah. So, so I think those were some of the early challenges of delivering high quality user experience while integrating with external interfaces, which in turn don't talk to you. For example, today you go to any place, any financial app, right? You put your PAN number, mm-hmm. it will immediately fetch a lot of information and give you something, right? Today that's Correct. an established infra. This did not exist since two thousand seventeen also, okay. right? We had to fight hard with to a lot of things just to take the PAN number and say, hey, listen. What's your let's say KYC status? Like, that's it. That itself was like a Herculean task at one. So obviously, it's so grateful. We've had regulatory tailwinds behind us, you know, where each each of these aspects have got thankfully simplified. And the other thing that we did not talk about was the the other structural tailwinds, right? You know, you know, if you remember, Shilai, that ten years ago you could get a bank deposit at ten percent. 
you know if you're getting a fixed deposit at yeah. 10 12% you didn't need to invest in other places you didn't yeah you didn't actually so, want you didn't feel the need to invest anywhere else correct so that's you know, also changing consumer behavior towards investment i think uh, a lot of like i said the new influx of investors today yeah. It's not that 10% isn't enough for them, but it's, I think the inertia of an FD is not, not fun for them. I think that's what that's why they are looking at alternative investments. But yeah, that's I'd love to hear your take on that as to also if you're seeing. No, no, absolutely. So there are two parts to that. One is the inertia and it's just a boring product. Like, you know, yeah. It just gives you X percent. The second one was, you know, people had indexed in their mind, hey, listen, I'm going to earn 10%. And as you know, the last eight years, it fell to 5%. There was some banks which are giving four and a half. It just, yeah. for a lot of customers in their 30s and 40s and even in 50s, it become very it became very hard to digest. So, and that was a time mm. also India had a bull market, you know, Sensex was delivering like express, you know, multiple of that. So, a lot of people in 30s and 40s moved into capital markets in any form, pension fund, mutual fund, stocks, irrelevant, or even PMSAIF. Through just because of a very low interest rate. Look, I this is just not worth it. Is the better than this? I is move some money to you know some capital market instrument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not even inflation covering. Yeah. So what? Although the they don't understand the concept of inflation, most of the country, as you would know, <laughs> right? They, for them, it yeah. was like their own benchmark. Look, I used to get ten percent. Now I'm getting five percent. These people say Sensex delivers. You know, like say, sake of argument, ten percent. I might as well move some money there. So there is a so. Yeah. Falling interest rates, gold being volatile between 2011 to 2019, and demonetization and the RERA Act. Right, I think these three have been a yeah. huge, huge drivers of changing consumer behavior. And my view is, this is a 20-year story, Ishilatya. Like we are, what I call is financialization of savings. This is like a, I think we've crossed like three years. COVID accelerated. I think we have like another 15 years to go before we feel we wow. feel we've financialized uh, India's wealth. It's an amazing viewpoint. I'm loving the fact that you're taking this sort of long-term stance, even in spite of telling us about so many things that have happened since the time you started, right? I don't think you would have imagined the world to be here even at 2022 where we are, right? In your early stage of the journey, you probably imagined it to be much further away from where we are today when you started. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we didn't think we would have this many explosion in terms of... Um, market segments and sub-segments and, you know, change in consumer behavior. As I said, Aadhaar, uh, demonetization, and then subsequently COVID. Uh-huh. I think those three have been irreversible changes that have come to the market uh, landscape. Superb. So I'm going to first take a quick break, uh, but then uh, Superb, we're going to come back and talk a little bit now about not just what the product is today in its current shape and form, but where it's going. So quick break and we'll come right back. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Subramanya, I think Subhu is what all your friends call you. And I think we chatted about this earlier. We, you told us the origin story. You told us, obviously, you know, how you saw the world when Fizdom started and what, where it is today drastically changed from probably what your original viewpoint on on the market was. Especially as an ex-VC, I'm sure you did like a TAM analysis on what we could do. And now that TAM has progressively changed over the years. I'd like to understand where you are today in terms of, let's say, you know, how you go about improving the product. What are your sort of North Star goals for the people you do serve today through the banking partnerships that you have, or even let's say direct consumers uh, you work with, right? What is it that you now use to differentiate yourself? So today we are in an era where all the tenets you sort of maybe set up are being used by everyone and everyone else. There's so many other apps out there. 
everyone's trying to do simple, fast, quick, trustable or not is questionable, but investing in some ways or the other. So how do you stand, uh, how do you differentiate, let's say, your product and your vision out? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So before that, maybe I'll spend a minute on the market, right? I'll like, you know, while we market has exploded, my view is we're still very, very early in our cycle of adding more and more customers. You know, we have approximately three crore active investors across stock markets and mutual funds and pension funds. And that's still a, you know, fraction of where it is likely to be in five years. Yeah. So my personal view is this like number is likely to be something like 10 crores in five years, right? Like, so we have a massive headroom for growth where mm-hmm. most players don't necessarily have to eat into each other unless there's an economic slowdown in cycles because we are a, you know, we, we need economic growth to be consistent and long-term. Of course. Kind of of businesses, course. Right? So market is right. like massive headroom for growth. Coming to the way our product functions, Ashinathya, is one of, the, one of the things that we said our product will be it's a guided choice uh, platform. What it means is that unlike some of the many other players in the market, which is do-it-yourself platforms where customers can come and just you know, do whatever they want. Like Zerodha is an amazing product. Uh, so you go, you know what you have to do, you execute the trade. So Zerodha has promised to customers, say, look, I will offer you the fastest way to execute a trade in the cheapest. So that's Zerodha's promise, right? And it works for a certain segment of customers and they've done a phenomenally great job. Our customer base is, uh, the, the product we have is, is obviously a distribution part where we offer customers, but we also have a layer on top of it, which is advisory layer, where we guide the customers towards products and instruments based on what where their life cycle is. Because investing also requires a little bit of awareness and a little bit of education. Right. And most people don't have that awareness. Uh, the most common question people have is, look, I have 5,000 rupees. I don't know where to invest. Just tell me where to invest. Right? So we do risk profiling and then we recommend customers certain sets of products based on the risk profiler. It's not mandatory. The customers can overrule so we do distribution mm-hmm. like many of the other platforms which offer the fastest way to uh, invest in stocks, mutual funds, etc. But we also mm-hmm. offer a layer on top of it makes which makes their journey simpler. Mm-hmm. They know, okay, look, uh, you know, this is easy. I have 5,000 rupees. Okay, now I have an easy way. And the trust comes from one, the customer's own experience on the app. And the second one is because we are also working with the bank and the customer has been referred by the bank. So there's also a, a trusted la- layer of trust that the bank is adding to from where the mm-hmm. customer is coming from. Like things like, let's say, you know, on our platform, if you've built up a portfolio of 10, star, 10 lakhs, right? You want to sell right. 1 lakh rupees for for some use, right? Uh, you don't need to decide which funds or stocks to sell. You can just put 1 lakh mm-hmm. rupees. The app will do its kind of calculation based on various parameters, performance, tax implications, etc. It'll tell you, okay, if you want this much money, sell these, these, these items, these products. Hmm. And you can just enter OTP entered and done, right? So so we are not we're not just solving the product, you know, access, which is as I as you said, is completely got solved. We moved up and saying, hey, listen, look, let's offer also offer uh, specific tools to customers that helps them in decision making, what to buy, what to sell, and right. when to sell. That's still with the third party product. How proprietary is this sort of an advisory, right? Because even this advisory domain has been a has been the domain of individuals, has been the That's domain good. of teams. It's been a very black box as to why and ad- what's the right advice, what's the wrong advice. So how are you adding further? Tr- I mean, if if a machine is doing this, how do I trust a machine? 
Yeah, uh, so the yeah. machine the machine delivers the advice, but there is a research team that actually does the calculation, etc. And in fact, we publish the research methodology on the website as well as the app on the page where the fund, you know, funds are etc. are recommended. You can see why and how, etc. Right. Uh, so there's okay. a you know there's a lot of rationalization we 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 try to provide. You're absolutely right. Advice has been prepared, you know, as the realm has been the realm of you know individual financial advisors, etc. Our view has been that for a certain threshold, you can just programatize advice. You know, if you want to invest, let's say mm-hmm. two lakh rupees, one lakh rupees, fifty thousand rupees. Uh, you know, frankly, you don't need advisors. Of course, advice is fairly straightforward yeah. enough that it can be you know, fed into an engine and that engine kind of does its job, right? Uh, but advice is also a DNA. Advice is also an orientation. Not every company has the same orientation. Similarly, working with mm-hmm. bank partners to reach end customers is also an orientation because most of the consumer companies have a consumer DNA to marketing as well. We don't do marketing, yes. as I said. So we reach customers through partnerships. So we our, our energies are building consumer products so that it reaches through, you know, various, uh, nice. uh, various uh, partnerships. I think, I think from a, the given that a large segment of these three crore active customers, active investors we have in the market are still figuring out this, right? I, you know, the education, our awareness is still not a solved problem. Mutual Fund say and Amphi have done a bunch of jobs, but still there's a question mark here. So is this good for me? Am I in the right vehicle? There's a fear of unknown, right? So I think there is a large segment of customers who want specific piece of suggestion. The harder problem is trust. Product creation is, mm-hmm. you know, doable. You know, you know, enough smart engineers and product managers will create that product. Trust is the one that takes, there are three ways to build trust. Time, money, and, you know, living off, you know, using somebody else's trust. Those are three ways to build trust, right? I was in a conversation since you mentioned ways of building trust. I just thought I'll push, push this in there. But the best definition I've so far heard of what will build trust is doing what you will say you will do is also Absolutely. another way of building trust. We have to have that promise and we have to deliver that promise. But even then, uh, I need to spend money to tell the customer what my promise is, right? which is the branding. right? There's just brand spends, etc. Or I just keep doing it again and again and again over a long period of time that people believe the trust. Believe me, which is like Zerodha. Yeah. Right? Zerodha hasn't yeah. marketed, but Zerodha has been just saying the same thing and delivering the same thing over and over for like last 12 years. Just right? right. So it either takes time or it takes money which is, you know, spend ads and tell what you do and then people come and experience it. We took the time and the partnership approach where, look, there are institutions that are already trusted by customers. Why don't we take help of their trust and get those early customers in and build a certain, you know, customer base. And over a period of time, you know, we'll do other things as well. So for us, time and partnerships have been the way we're building trust. We've not done you know, we don't do marketing, branding, large-scale television or Google or Facebook, etc. Because those are expensive ones. And as I said, I used to be a VC and yeah. one of the takeout away from, from a venture capital, being a venture capital investor was actually to be as frugal as possible as opposed to, and can we build a company with as limited as capital as possible rather than raise as much capital as possible, right? So that's the way we're building trust. I think we've been around now for five, five and a half uh, years. Uh, we now have about a million customers across our products. Uh, so kind of active customers, not users. So fairly chunky size. Our bank partnerships are yielding results significantly. We launched our stockbroking business, direct stock investing product last year. Yeah. And as yeah. you say, as you see, it runs head on with lots of incumbent uh, players. Yeah. The good news there, uh, Shalatya, is as I said, market is just 
very large. I think there's scope room for. Yeah, there's you know more than enough room. Yeah, yeah there's right. more than enough room. I think now is where that differentiating, or at yeah. least your position in the market, will stand out to certain types of investors. I guess. Okay, we still need to make product innovations. I think the good thing about you know us going from one crore to three crore in the last two three years is. There is depth in the market, and there is um, you several sub sub segments have come which you can create specific products for. You know, some good people right. are going only after millennials. Some people are going after only option traders. Some people are going after only MTF traders. Some people are going, yes. going after you know specific. So there is depth in the market that uh, you know Fisdom as a platform can just go after one specific sliver of customers and build products for them. Like for example, and it's you know, valuable to do that. Right. Like through our bank partnerships, we get access to. Customers in tier two, tier three towns who are in the thirty-five to forty-five year age group, like you mm. know, I can go deep and build products for them, which simplifies their investing uh, experience. Right? I think that's the that's the advantage of the last three four years, where no market is in a in a as a critical mass. Is it mature? No, I don't think so. I think we still have a lot of headroom to go here. But there's a critical mass that I don't have to run head-on with. Let's say someone like Zerodha, who's a very very established brand. So I can kind of stay away from competition, go after a different segment through a different channel, different product proposition. So those are the approaches that we are taking. That was I was going to be, you know, leading into my, you know, sort of question as to how where this goes next, right? You know, uh, I think everyone, you yourself as a VC, definitely have multiple, let's say, eighteen months look forward-looking plans already in yeah. place. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, what what specifics can you tell us about where what's coming up next for you guys? Yeah. So yeah, so uh, obviously there's a lot to do here, Shilaj. There's like you know, yes. there's just a ton of opportunities in this broader investments business. So right now we do you know we distribute products, we provide advisory on top of those the third party products. But as we work through our channel and we build customer scale, we realize there is a lot of gaps in products as well. There are no products mm. that exist for a certain segment of customers. For example, I come from a tier three town, tier four town rather. So if I think of a tier two, tier three town in India, let's say a Mysore or a Salem or a Surat, uh, mm. Surat maybe it's, it's Gujarat, maybe we should keep it out. The needs of a customer in that segment, particularly affluent segment customer is very different from that of a, you know, let's say a 45-year-old rich person in Mysore is very different from a 45-year-old rich person in Bangalore. Of course. Oh, yes. Right? The product requirements are different. Like a 45-year-old rich affluent person in Bangalore is likely to be higher risk taking than a 45 year old rich person in a Mysore. And two, there is nobody who's serving that customer. So we're thinking the ne- our next move would be to start creating products, you know, our own manufactured products where we can deliver specific value to those customers. Like some of these customers want, look, I don't want high beta concentrated stocks. I need mm-hmm. you know, consistent 10%, 8, 9% return, 9% return. Right? You know, they're different. So the advantage of market growth in the last six years is we can build specific products for these customers, which is they, where there is no... Yeah, the risk is mitigated to an extent, but yes, you know the buckets in which you want to put Correct. their money in. Right. in some so that's some of those things. So I think we're doing... We're, I think our distribution and, and distribution and advisory play is kind of coming along very well. We have a long headroom... We we work with 15 banks of all kinds. You know, we work with the third largest bank in India, Union Bank of India. We work with a bunch of private sector banks. So the cumulative customer base that we have access to through these banks is 40 crores. Uh, obviously, we have yeah. a long way to kind of penetrate this bank and get to a certain critical mass. We just have about a million of those 
uh, uh, customers working through us or investing through us or buying our products and services. So we just have a long way to exhaust this, you know, channel or the customers that we have acquired. Sure. We are going to acquire sure. through this. But in addition, that's the that's the more of look. I've got a channel. I've got these products, and I just kind of go deep. The other one is you know creating newer products. And last year we also started because of the channel. We also uh, we were largely catering to retail segment. You know, people who are investing thousand rupees, five thousand rupees, ten thousand rupees. A year ago we also started mass affluent segment, which is one segment about people who are willing to invest twenty five lakhs to one crore because the bank channel has access to these customers. So we have access to customers. We did not have yeah. a product or a proposition. Yeah. We built that product proposition, and now we have a dedicated team that is looking at this segment. So, so lot, lot, lots of uh, opportunities within, sure. within, sure. within the. I, I had a, I had a tangential question to this way because you, since you mentioned you work with uh, bank channels, and of course I'm assuming this is. Is this hundred percent dependence on distribution through these partners, uh, through these partners, uh, or no, are so you right. also doing yeah. your direct? So we don't spend money directly to customers to acquire with marginal spend, but otherwise, because of the fact that we've been around for five six years, and there are in the early days before we had signed up the banks, we did do some branding, marketing, performance marketing. Right. So today, I'd say ninety percent of the eighty to ninety percent of the incremental customers are coming from the bank channel. As a okay. overall base, I would say sixty sixty five percent is through, from the bank partners. Remaining thirty thirty five percent is direct organic. Largely organic. Because Our apps are rated 4.5, 4.6 on App Store. So it comes up when people are searching for some of the products. And I mean, my question was more along uh, the, uh, let's say, the pros and cons of this, right? I mean, your dependence on traditional banking channels and the audience they serve uh, versus the ability to you know reach a new kind of customer who's coming to a platform like yours directly. There's some, you know, little bit of difference of expectations, uh, as you might yeah. see from the customer profile. Uh, and also, since banks are not just going to remain distribution channels for you, I mean, they have their own innovations, they have their own five-year digital transformation roadmap uh, items, I'm sure, uh, on how they want to sell their own services. So uh, how, how are you managing that relationship yeah. is something I was a little curious about. Yeah, the first one is a great question. I think there are pros and cons of going direct versus uh, working through partners. Working through partners obviously makes this more efficient because once you decide, look, this is a long-term game for you as a founder, right? It makes it easy. You're not under yeah, pressure yeah. to compete right, with right. somebody else in your own zone. So the pro of going direct to customer is if you have capital, you can you know, you can manufacture scale doing branding and you know all of that, right? So here you're dependent on somebody else's growth, right? <clears throat> so that is a bit of a, that's a pro and a con of both. But in our case, the good thing is the banks themselves are going through a digital transformation strategy. So to give you a sense, okay. like out of the 40 crore customers our partner banks have, right now there are about 5 crore customers who have a mobile app, banks, banks app on their phones. This number used to be 2 crores 2 years ago, right? So for me, what is critical is this 5 crore becoming 10 crores and 10 crores becoming 20 crores because that's my top of the funnel. So there the good news okay. is there is a serious amount of thrust thanks to UPI go, you know, UPI penetration outside of the bank app, like you know, phone pay and Google Pay. Banks are now finding, hey, so look, how do we become relevant? How do we make our apps more relevant? And the way to yeah. make our app relevant is by adding more touch points, that is adding investments which are engaging products. So today we get inbound queries from various banks. Hey, listen, look. By the way, this whole bank-led wealth management strategy was was not there in India. 
Uh, it does not exist. So there is no uh, there is no U.S. China equivalent for our business. This is uniquely Indian. That's because of the unique place that banks have in India's you know financial landscape, where one right. there's a high degree of security and security in the sense people typically don't lose money. Even if a bank goes down, RBI somehow yeah. you know yeah. finds a home and customers' deposits are protected. And second one is distribution, tier two, tier three, tier four. Like because of the public sector bank, there are everywhere, right? So because of the uniqueness yeah. of the banks, uh, this whole partner-led uh, you know wealth management is also fairly unique. You know, it doesn't exist anywhere. And we started this, and today we're kind of a you know we are seen as you know among the bank circles we are seen as hey, so look, these guys. If you want to work partner with somebody. These are the guys. Mm. The second part was interesting where you said, hey, listen, look, why would they do it on their own, and why would they rely on you, and if they I think that's a great point. I think today, if you are not working with a bank, uh, it is because they want to do it on their own, right? But once they start working with us, the advantage for them is the the whole wealth business becomes a profit center for them. Otherwise, they have to invest in product, True. technology, True. build it, and then start acquiring customers. So we're saying, look, you don't want anything, just give it to us. We will, we will. So the good news is we are becoming strategic digital partner for some of these banks. And again, you know, we don't go after the HDFC access banks of the world. We work with Karnataka Bank, City Union Bank, Tamil Nadu Mercantile Bank, Bank of India, uh, uh, Indian Bank, uh, Union Bank of India. These are by no means small banks either. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, uh, no, these that's are the banks. duty of... These are yeah. large banks, uh, but not as sophisticated as HDFC Bank from a technology perspective or from sure. a, you know, business sophistication perspective. Correct. No, very true. And, and thanks, thanks for sharing that with us. I think that's the... That's also a good eye opener to the realities of working in this domain, right? I mean, the, uh, from the early story you told us about uh, building the plumbing and education and, uh, you know, just sort of you know, working your way through the various, navigating your way between people who don't talk to each other to where they have, some of them have their own convictions and uh, efforts uh, to others who are obviously, your, let's say, you know, riding on the back of uh, people who know how to do their job, who are experts at this, let's say in your case. Uh, you know, product and uh, technology experts right. like yourself. So I think both exist is is great. It's only better for the consumer. Like you mentioned, there's a long way to go just in terms of headroom of number of people using or investing in the first place. So, uh, you know, you know, as closing notes, uh, Subhu, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast, just like yourself, uh, people who are already in the startup ecosystem, people who are probably thinking of getting into it definite fintech overall and in let's say wealth tech or whichever buzzword you choose uh, to identify yourself with uh, is is still of interest to a lot of people so what would your sort of advice be uh, and on the same on the on your own uh, on you know from a wisdom standpoint also like are you guys let's say hiring looking forward to having people uh, you know join your vision uh, anything else you'd like to share as you as we wrap this up yeah, no, absolutely. We are recruiting, we are hiring, uh, you know, we're probably one of those few companies where we are actively hiring uh, for a variety of roles, engineers, product managers, so on and so forth. So please, would love to have you guys on board uh, our journey. And the first one, I mean, that's, I think that's more of a sort of a suggestion advice for founders. Uh, should I say if I get that right? Like the question? Founders or would be founders or who want to get into this, uh, is, into this fun slash chaotic place. I think the best time to start up was 10 years ago. The next best time is today. So if, you, if you're passionate about something, just do it. Uh, whether you make money or not, you will come out really, really smarter about yourself. Like For me, entrepreneurship has been a self-learning, self-awareness journey more than anything else. To me, the biggest takeout is 
uh, it's just the journey and you know journey is a destination i would say uh, i would also say keep a long term view you know it's unlikely you will do business in 2 3 years it takes time to build trustworthy enduring businesses so have patience fundraisers and everything keeps coming and going but what remains with you is customers right i mean a company exists for customers shareholders employees um you know and so on and so forth uh, uh sometimes what happens is in a in hyperfunding and some let's call it hyperfunding environment in funding winters we kind of kind of try to ignore the customers and we focus more on shareholders and investors and employees so like it's it's easy to lose sight of customers let's put it way and you know there have been phases where we have been guilty of uh, some of that right so every company goes through that cycle so yeah keep customers at the uh, always at the core of your mental space definitely good advice and it's good to uh, hear you sort of acknowledge that uh, especially given the time you've spent uh, both on the investing side of, of of your career as well as the the entrepreneurial side so so thank you so much uh, where uh, can folks reach you uh, people who have been listening to this podcast what's the best way to sort of give us feed do you want to have share your twitter handle or your linkedin or something like that where people can Yeah, my email is subodfisdom.com. My Twitter is subramanya underscore sv. That's s u b r a m a n y a underscore sv. Uh, LinkedIn, I think it's subramanya sv. I forget the LinkedIn handle. <laughs> Sorry for that. No But problem. I think, you know, we'll put it in there in the in the podcast yeah, notes. Yeah. So, as well. so would love to hear from the folks. Um, you know, feedback, thoughts. Would love to figure out ways to collaborate. You know, I think the other point I would say is, you know, financial services is all about collaboration. um like as wisdom yeah. we probably work with like 20 30 maybe even more software business partners of all types you know as i said look you you and i used to work with clevertap you know this is one of yeah. several things that we have worked yeah. with right uh, so it's all about collaboration uh, so would love to figure out ways to work with folks uh, who are listening to it super thank you thank you so much and for everyone listening in yes uh, wherever you are listening to this podcast it's also my uh, customary reminder to tell you that please leave us a rating and a review folks like subu of course uh, you know continue to make us do what we do here every day uh, every every other week talking to folks like yourself and you know sharing this information out into the world so please give us a rating give us feedback uh, and uh, yes wherever you're listening to this podcast uh, leave us a note so thank you so much and we'll be back with another episode again thank you subu thank you so much this was awesome thank you shailendra thanks for having me thank you